Hello and welcome to Film Paul's Podcast. This is episode number 357. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rickshaw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. It's good to be back. Sure. Get back into the swing sure. of things. I was gone for, for too long. Too long. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was in New Zealand for like for two weeks. It was a good trip. I am happy to report that I have as yet contracted coronavirus. That's good. You probably will now that you're back in New York. Well... The thing is, so yeah, that's a possibility, just picking it up in New York. Um, but also, I read that it could take up to two weeks for the symptoms to show up. So I may be infected with it, and I don't even know. Ooh, so it's, it's pretty scary. Very true. Pretty scary stuff. Yeah. Wash your hands, people. Wash your hands. Hand sanitizer, that's not going to do it. You need to wash your hands. Hand sanitizer is antibacterial, not antiviral. And stop wearing masks if you're not sick. There's a mask shortage and healthcare professionals can't get masks. So stop wearing them, you dummies. How's that for a PSA? That's pretty good. I learned a lot. I want to also I want to also just mention at the top of the show, we are aware that South by Southwest has been canceled because of the uh, COVID-19 scare that's happening right now. Uh, I've really... It's just really sad to think about like all the of the talented people who, you know, got accepted. And I, I can't imagine how it'd be if my film that I worked so hard on got accepted into South by Southwest and it got canceled. Like I would be heartbroken. Mm-hmm. So my heart certainly goes out to all of the talented people who were gonna have things at the festival who are, are no longer going to have them. We are still happy to cover anything that was screening there remotely you can send us an email and we'll be sure to get back to you and we can work out the details but i would i would really love to continue to provide remote coverage for anybody who had anything screening there so just just you can shoot me an email directly at adam at filmpulse.net and uh we'll, we'll get the details worked out this week on the show we'll be reviewing baccarat We'll also be going over someone watching on the watch list, new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be super helpful. I think we can just jump into our review. I don't really have too much housekeeping stuff to go over. The February newsletter will be coming out as you're listening to this. So by the time this comes out, the newsletter will be out. If you're not subscribed to our newsletter, you can do so on the website. Also... I haven't really talked about this, but we also we now have filmpulse.com. So you don't have to go to .net anymore. You can. It's still there. But we also have the .com domain. So I'm very pleased that we finally got that in our possession. Mm, I'm going to try it right now. Yeah, it, it works. It's there. It's working. All right. Let's talk about some Baccarat. I have a synopsis here. After the death of her grandmother, Teresa comes home to her matriarchal village in a near-future Brazil to find a succession of sinister events that mobilizes all of its residents. This is directed by Juliano Dornelis and Clever Mendoza Filho. My my first question for you, Kevin, is did you know the gist of this going into it? Because I saw this back in the i think i saw it at the new york film festival and when i saw it i had no idea like i didn't know what it was about at all but i had heard some rumblings that it was something yeah. to to look for what yeah. was your familiarity with it going into it i'm glad you asked because uh i got very confused because one i didn't really know anything about this movie um i've I saw uh, Philho's first film, Neighboring Sounds, which I enjoyed immensely. I haven't seen Aquarius, but I've heard good things about that. So I was pretty excited for Baccarat, just knowing that he's the director, right? So I didn't really know anything about it. I looked, I Googled it, and the only reason I Googled it was just to see how long it was. I just wanted to know what I was getting into, right, runtime-wise. So if you Google Baccarat, and you know on the, the right-hand side here, Google comes up and with all the little stuff. This is the synopsis that they give, which I just, I've read 
real quick. Now it's just like, oh, okay. So it says, a filmmaker decides to travel to a village in the interior of Brazil to make a documentary. As days go by, he begins to discover that the locals are not exactly what they appear to be and hide dangerous secrets. <laughs> <laughs> is Just that the movie? For, for, yeah, for our <laughs> listeners who haven't seen Baccarat yet, that is not <laughs> what happens. It's not at I mean, all. That's not even close. That's not even close not, to what happens. Like, you know, a lot, of, a lot of these like poorly written IMDb synopses are like, at least in the ballpark. They're at least somewhat relevant, but that is like completely not, not. objectively false. <laughs> so this is the only thing I've read before I hit play on Baccarat, right? So there was, for a long period of time, I was just thinking, when are they making, when's the documentary <laughs> thing start? So now, you know, when like, when Tony Jr. shows up, Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, film it, film it. I was like, wow, it took, it, they really <laughs> took a long time to get to the documentary thing. And then that just came and went. And I was just like, I don't think this documentary is happening. <laughs> so, so you weren't, it wasn't that you just went into the movie cold. You were completely misinformed <laughs> about what the movie was. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. You, you were like, even further than going into a movie without knowing anything you were told everything yeah, wrong correct i mean it correct. does it does take place in a in a remote brazilian village mm-hmm. that happens i mean i think i guess you could say that there are secrets in the village yeah they're holding some secrets but, but not really it's just that no one goes to the museum right i like, was gonna say i mean it, don't it, full display. yeah i was just gonna say i mean you can you can see their secrets they have them in the museum like that you can look at oh my god anyway what did you think of uh baccarat <laughs> well uh in terms of the filmmaker making the documentary it's fucking terrible because <laughs> none of that happens <laughs> i think it's just awful but uh, what I did get was really fucking great, and I loved it. I was just really confused for a long time, <laughs> which it might have helped. It might have actually helped. Maybe. It might have actually helped with the experience of this movie, because I, I think, like, I was already confused, and then the UFO shows yeah, up, I was I'm just like, wow, <laughs> there's fucking aliens, too? I was just going to say, when when the flying saucer shows up, you're just like, okay, now this took... <laughs> This took a hard right turn. What what am I watching here? What's going yeah. on? Yeah, it was uh, it was something else. But I think it did a pretty fantastic job of uh, like it gives you just enough information about you know like this village, what's going on in this village, and there's this little bit of a mystery, and then they give you you know they tease out some with the the international group of like hunters or whatever the hell they are, which I mean, and I was just hooked. I was absolutely hooked and I couldn't wait. And it just, I love movies like this where it's kind of like a, kind of like a seven samurai type where this like a small village bands together mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to fight off intruders. Yeah. It reminds me of tremors. I, just, I love that. You love it. You say seven samurai. I say tremors. <laughs> you say tremors. <laughs> Someone make a movie that's half Tremors, half Seven Samurai. Hell yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, there's it, it is a very satirical movie. It is uh, I, I I love it for all the same reasons that you said. I love the idea of this small, close knit village banding together to fend fend themselves from these these invaders, these like white asshole colonialists style invaders that are coming in trying to to kill them for really reasons unknown i mean i guess it's for sport but but with that being said like i don't even know how much we should be giving away like i don't know how much of this they try to keep under wraps yeah i mean and it's it's an interesting thing too is like i could tell you everything but i think you would still enjoy the hell out of watching it like i don't know if you can necessarily spoil it per se no perhaps some of the things i mean some of, but i mean early on they they pretty much show you you know udo Kyron, his band of uh his band of hunters which also completely i was not expecting to see chris dobeck 
and uh, Johnny Mars in this movie. Mm-hmm. So them them showing up, I was just like, wait a second, what the fuck is going on? I didn't even know when I saw this. I didn't even know Udo Kyer was in it. So that that was a surprise to me too. I was like, what? What's he doing here? Now, since since then, like the poster, the really great poster, by the way, came out, and he's like front and center yeah. on that. But yeah, I think uh, I think everything about it is great. There's uh, some really it, it's darkly comedic. There's there's some really funny, strange moments in it, but it's uh, done done in a really sort of astute way where the, the comedy in it is it's pretty understated, but at the same time, there's a lot of kind of shocking moments of violence in it as well. It it doesn't seem oh, yeah. to, it doesn't seem to take itself too seriously, which I appreciated too. But it doesn't go like full on the other way, like The Hunt, for instance, um, a, a movie that we're going to be talking about in the release section of this episode. The Hunt looks like it's pretty much all just comedy, you know, like yeah, goofy, like dark comedy, and it doesn't swing that that way completely it it straddles a nice line between you know tragedy and comedy yeah although uh i don't know how to how to feel about the the character of lunga if 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 he's supposed to be funny or or what because he made me laugh a lot yeah i mean lunga is i mean pretty fucking incredible (laughs) you finally get introduced to lunga and lunga becomes a part of the the part of the fight i mean my god that's he just he goes off incredible mullet. They 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 unlocked something there. <laughs> they unlocked something in Lunga, and he just I love I love too. And like at the end, where they're like, "Do you think Lunga went too far?" <laughs> and she, <laughs> Teresa's just like, "No, yeah, no, she did not." <laughs> yeah, so you don't so you don't really the the setup is very interesting. So like a lot of the a lot of the synopses that you'll see online just just say like it's a it's a remote village and one day they come to discover that they've been wiped off the map like they've literally their town has been erased from all maps and yeah i think that that's a really intriguing setup and then you have this scene where you it's literally like a a, a flying saucer in the air and you're just like Whoa, what what is the what is going on here now to be clear it's a lot more grounded than what that sounds like there aren't there aren't actual aliens or anything in it but it it hooks you it hooks you very early on i mean even in the opening scene when we have teresa um played by barbara colin when she's riding to the town in that water truck and you're like what's why is she riding in a water truck why are there coffins all over the ground what happened to that guy on the side of the road he looked like he was dead why are they being shot at like there's so many questions that that get raised really early on that it just really hooks you in and then on top of that you start to get introduced to all of these really interesting characters that inhabit this town and i think that just all of these individual pieces make up for a really just wildly entertaining movie. I mean, I, I saw it now, like I, I see, you know, tons of movies all the time and the movies will very quickly leave my brain and I, I'll forget about them. But this was one that like stuck with me. Almost every scene stuck with me, even though it's been almost a year since I've seen it. Um, rewatching it for this show i was just like i just remembered everything and that's that's kind of rare and i think that that kind of tells me that uh this is this is something special that you should be seeking out yeah and it's got i mean i love these types of movies where you have just on the surface level just in terms of what's there happening you know in the narrative it's just it's a highly entertaining film just on the surface even if you have no understanding of the socio-political climate of Brazil and like what this is theorizing, all that, you know, if you're completely ignorant to all that, you you can still enjoy the hell out of this movie. But then the, the, everything that's happening underneath that or involved with that, you know, the layers to it just really make it, just takes it to a different level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100% agree. And I just, my, and I think my favorite my favorite scene is when they 
when uh, Johnny Mars does finally, someone finally goes into the museum and kind of, you, you know, you kind of realize what their, what their history is. And you're just like, Oh yes. Yeah. Cause you know, cause you know, it's on at, at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you know that it's on and these people are, they're going to get it. They're going to get their, their just desserts from this. Uh, Johnny Mars's character, Terry, I thought he was an interesting character because you, at first you, you're like, Oh, well he seems to be someone with a conscience. Like, he's he's with these people but he really he really sort of uh went after that one of the other guys for killing a child and but then as quickly as we're like sort of sympathizing with terry he like i don't know if it's the next scene or if it's very shortly after where he's telling the story about how when his wife left him he was gonna kill her and then he wanted to go shoot up a mall and all this stuff and you're just like oh okay Actually, I do hate him. <laughs> he is. Yeah, they're, they're he all, is awful. They're all insane. They're all insane. They're all psychopaths. They are. There, there are no redeeming qualities to any of uh, any of the these people. They're they're all just just awful. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. And it's very specifically designed to be like that too. Yeah. I guess my only criticism is I, I wanted it to be longer. Like the the finale like the the showdown yeah i wanted that to be prolonged yeah. a little bit i feel like you know some of these people they went they went too quickly like i wanted to, <laughs> i don't know maybe it sound a little morbid or whatever but i wanted to I did, savor it a little bit more there is a an interesting uh uh piece to this or, you know like a, is a certain level to this is the use of technology in this movie where you know the the hunters have all this ridiculous tech. You know, they have the earpieces, which we're never quite sure who the hell they're listening to or, you know, they're getting instructions or what and who it's coming from. And I enjoy that they, like, they kept that in the dark throughout the movie. But And then they have their little, like, see-through, like, card things that would translate and everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have the drone, all this shit. And the... This this village has the very very low tech, where it's you know they have a lookout at like the edge of the village, and that would relay to the cell phones of every single person, you know like whenever they're saying you know like oh there's there's two there's two people on motorbikes coming, and every single person in the village like their their phones going off at the same time, and how they're just able to utilize the technology that they do have to overpower these guys, even though they have you know ridiculous high-tech stuff yeah and and also they you know they're they're just a small village minding their own business for the most part and you have these people coming in trying to you know kill them so yeah you have like doctors and stuff uh although i did i did find it funny that like a lot of these villagers like the one one of the main guys is he was a straight-up killer like he was a hitman (laughs) And yeah. everybody in the town knew it and they, they were cool with it. They accepted him. And I think that that's, that's the big takeaway from this is the, the, the familial quality of this village where everybody knows everybody, everybody's friends with everybody. Sure. There's drama that's, that's happening, but they, they have each other's backs, you know, even I'm not sure what was going on with Lunga. It seemed like he was, wanted for something and he was like hiding out in a dam and well they, they what's his name tony jr running for whatever he was running for mayor the mayor yeah I can't remember but he cut off the water supply to the village mm-hmm. so lunga took that shit back and that's why they were able to fill up the water because he took over the dam lunga control, yeah he had control that dam and that's why they love lunga when he came into town because lunga was helping him out water water wise because it also plays into that too, which is a, 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 a fun thing for me is that this got me into looking up uh, banditry was a huge thing in Brazil, especially like the Northeast part of Brazil, just like a huge history of bandits, which is, this is kind of like drawing, drawing from in the sideways shooting of the rifles. That scene. <laughs> oh. uh. Yeah. You, <laughs> 
that uh that was quite uh that was a surprise yeah there there's some pretty shocking uh shocking moments in this movie uh it's it's great it's it's really great uh highly highly recommend checking it out uh any final thoughts on this before we give it a score? Uh, I would say, like, as of right now, this is, I know it's early in the year, but this is, you know, one of my favorite films of the year. I fucking love this thing. Same here. Yeah, same here. I I, I imagined you were you were going to like it. I didn't think you would. You seem to to love it more than I expected, so that's, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Good. Good. Also, I mean, we didn't really talk about the the cinematography. Some really great camera work in this. My one question to you is that they use a lot of wipes in this, and I know that you historically don't like wipes. No. How did you feel it, about it, that? It, it it felt great. I enjoyed it. I think I don't know. It just it felt like a throwback, you know, where it's kind of like playing into the because it it feels a lot like a spaghetti western. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say that. Um, wipes seem to work really well. I don't know why this is, but to me, they seem to work a lot better in uh, movies where you're outside in very hot environments. It's that, yeah, for some reason, that? for some reason it, that, that transition works is it, better. Is it, like, is it like evocative of like wiping your brow or something? Like what, what is it? I don't know. Because as soon as you said that, I was like, yes, that's, that is, that's what it feels like. I don't, I don't it know. It does work fantastically. <laughs> I don't know if the just the visual cue of the wipe sort of evokes heat. I'm not sure. I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe it's something more simple than that. Maybe it's the fact that the first time I ever saw a wipe was probably in Star Wars and like on Tatooine. And that just evokes those memories in me sort of subconsciously. I don't I don't know. But it it works. I thought all the camera work and stuff was was really solid in this. I thought. The POV shots from the drone, I thought, mm, weren't great, but I, it, it, that's a nitpick more than anything. Like, I didn't, I didn't like the whole like user inner, you know, the user interface thing that you saw from the the yeah. POV of the drone. Like, I just didn't think that looked great. But um, again, that's that's a nitpick. Typically, in movies, when they show like. Like it happens a lot in horror movies where like somebody's recording, you know, they have like a little camcorder or whatever, and the audience sees like the 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 UI on the camera, you know, like the record logo and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I hate that because to me that's not immersive. That pulls me out of the immersion because I'm like, if you're recording it and we're watching the recording, why would we see like the the settings and all of that stuff? Yeah, true. Again, in this movie, though, it doesn't it didn't really bother me. It was just something I thought about. But other than other than that, I thought all the the cinematography, all the camera work was really solid. Looked quite good. Lots of lots of really cool, like crash zooms and stuff in it. Yes. Uh, All right. Let's go ahead and give it a score. Kevin, what are you going to give Baccarat? Well, this is a tough one. Uh, I'm thinking like eight and a half. Wow. I'm sitting at an eight on this one. Really, really solid. This is playing in limited release right now. So if it's playing in your area, definitely check it out. Uh, hopefully this will be out you know, on digital soon, I would imagine. I think what Kino Lorber put, put this out, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on and talk about someone we're watching on the watch list. Yeah. Uh, it's been been a few weeks, but I have a couple things here. Even though I was on vacation, I got a chance to check out a, a few things. So, Kevin, we'll start with you. What do you got going on? Uh, first, I'm going to start with a documentary that's currently playing on movie. If, as we're recording this, you have 20 days to watch it if you have a movie. I highly suggest you, you do because this is currently one of my favorite movies of the year. Back to back, man, background, yeah. and this one talking about trees is the name of it. Talking About Trees. Directed by Suib uh, Gasmobari. This is, it's a documentary about these uh, veteran filmmakers from Sudan, right? They made films in like the 60s and 70s. And then because of, uh, you know, the strife there in Sudan and uh, the censorship, that's the word. They like, they completely lost 
like movies. Film houses got shut down, everything. So what these guys are trying to do is they're trying to bring that back to Sudan, right? So they're trying, they, they find this, the cinema house and they're going to try and revive it. So it's just, it's these guys hanging out, just going through them, finding the movie house, kind of cleaning it up. They go to like a soccer game and stuff and like do surveys as to like what people would be interested in, what movies they should show. And they do some like test runs of showing some movies, which is great because what they use is, is they use Windows Media Player and a projector. Nice. And they just, they show like, they'll show uh, Charlie Chaplin movies, um, some of their movies that they made back in the 60s and 70s which you get to see like little clips of and I need to find those because they look amazing. But what they end up deciding on is because of the part of the survey was like, Oh, we need like an action movie. So they decide the first movie that they're going to show is Django Unchained. Nice. So they, you know, they make up flyers, they do everything, but of course they run into problems. They run into issues with censorship and everything. And so it's kind of like a little bit of a history of uh, Sudanese cinema like the movies that these guys made. It's a, a fantastic documentary about their friendship. Like these guys just hanging out and kind of goofing off and trying to make this all happen. And it's just like, it's incredible. It's such a good documentary. It's one of these things where it's like a really, really simple thing. But when you're, you know, sitting and watching it, you realize that it's about like so many different things. It's just like the scope of it is huge, but at the same time, it's just very, very small scale. Great. Yeah, I'm going to definitely check this out before it leaves movie. And that's uh, talking about trees. I'll start with a big one. I saw The Invisible Man while I was in New Zealand. Uh, the, the multiplexes in New Zealand are pretty much the exact same as they are here. I was kind of hoping for, yeah. I don't know, something, something different, something, something unique. But That'd be fucking wild. It's pretty much the same. I I saw this. They they had like early screenings of this in New Zealand. So uh, when I went, it was during the day, and there was like two other people in the theater with us. So that was kind of nice. cool. And I saw it in an IMAX, and it was actually a true IMAX screen, which I hadn't seen it uh, like a movie on a true IMAX screen. Because you know, like amc and a lot of these other chain theaters will have quote-unquote imax but it's not like the full imax screen it's like a smaller version of the imax screen mm-hmm. well this was the real deal this was like the like three-story high screen and what a what a great way to see the invisible man this movie's incredible it i was i had pretty high hopes for it i'm a big fan of lee wanell and the premise of this instantly hooked me and as i've mentioned before on the show the invisible man is my favorite of the universal monsters i i i have the box that universal monsters box set with all the invisible man movies i've watched all of them love invisible man and i think that this is a really really great interpretation of of the classic story that's brought into the modern day and there's a really great you know relevant spin on it where elizabeth moss plays this woman who escapes an abusive relationship and the her ex turns invisible and starts torturing her while invisible and it is absolutely terrifying it is incredibly shot as you might expect if you've seen lee wanell's other movies if you've seen upgrade or even the mule he has a knack for uh, really interesting camera shots and things, and that that comes across in this as well. One little thing I liked about this is that when you see the trailer, a lot of what you see in the trailer is not actually in the movie. So I don't know if they if they cut things or if they shot specific things for the trailer, but uh, a lot of the big surprises and stuff are not revealed in the trailer. There, they, they, hmm. there's things that happen in that trailer, like specifically, there's like a, the scene in the trailer where she's in the shower in the handprint, like the palm print goes on the, the shower door. Like that doesn't happen in the movie. So really great. I have a full re- re- uh, written review for this up on the site. So you can, 
read my uh, thoughts in more detail if you'd like. But Kevin, you should definitely check this out before the end of the year. I would recommend seeing it in the theater too because sound plays such a huge role in this. Because obviously, mm-hmm. obviously you can't see him. And, and you know, they don't do this like... I remember when they were talking about this this whole universal rebooting all the universal monsters and I think Johnny Depp was in talks for The Invisible Man and I was thinking like what a shit show that would have been because if it was Johnny Depp we would see Johnny Depp more than he would be invisible you know what I mean like he would be visible more than he would be invis- invisible and mm-hmm. in this movie the the um the Invisible Man, played by uh, uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen, he's invisible almost the entire movie. Like, he's just straight up invisible 99% of the time. And I appreciated Which that. Good... Yeah. And uh, because of that, because he's pretty much invisible the entire time, um, everything is based on on sound. And there's a lot of these, like, there's really great, like, uh, Lee Wanell does a lot of, like, really wide shots, like, where... Uh, Elizabeth Moss will be in like one side of the room, but the whole room will be in frame and you'll just be scanning the room because you know, he's there. Like, you know, he's somewhere in the room. So it's almost like a game. Mm -hmm. Like it's so tense because you don't know where he is. She doesn't know where he is, but we all know he's there and you'll, you'll just like catch something out of the corner of your eye. Like, Oh, did that move? Did that thing move? Is that where he is? And so it adds to the tension and it's just, it's so well done. So well done. So. Highly recommend Invisible Man. Check it out. I'm glad to hear that because I think I feel like that's one thing in horror movies that that hasn't been utilized enough is you know a whole utilizing the entire frame. Oh yeah, like the edges, the edges of a frame. Yeah, I mean, and he does it a lot in this too, where it'll be a nice wide shot, and you're just like, mm, there's something in this frame. Like it's so you're it's it's almost like you you're just scanning and scanning, and you're like. I think I just saw that chair move a little bit. And also like, because he's, he's not a ghost, right? He's a, he's a person. He he is a physical person. He still has mass. So you can sometimes hear like the floorboards creak just a little bit, or you can hear like maybe you heard him breathe a little bit. And that happens a lot where it'll be like, she'll be in the room and you'll just hear like a slight breath. And you're like, well, that wasn't her. That definitely wasn't her. And she's the only one that, that we can see in this room right now. So he's there because we just heard him like exhale a little bit. It's it's great. Look forward to it. I finally got to see uh, Losing Ground, directed by Kathleen Collins. This is a movie I've been trying to see for quite some time. Uh, came out in 1982. This is along with uh, Kathleen Collins' only other film. She only made two, unfortunately. Uh, both of them are on the Criterion channel right now, so you can check those out. And especially Losing Ground, I, I highly suggest that you do that. This is pretty fantastic. Great performances. Got Surrett Scott uh, playing the main character, Sarah, who's a, she's a university professor who's working on a paper about um, like experiencing ecstasy in terms of like religion or philosophical and what she ends up doing is she kind of like gets obsessed with experiencing it for herself and she's married to bill gunn who's like this spontaneous like free spirit painter and he sells a painting of his to a museum and he celebrates they got some money so they rent this this immaculate house and they kind of spend the summer there it's also about the, the marriage falling apart. So guess what? Marriage starts to fall apart, mostly because Victor's a piece of shit asshole. And uh, he gets obsessed with his new muse and uh, essentially just treats his wife like shit and kind of becomes obsessed with this other woman. And it's just, it's really interesting the way that it progresses throughout the movie and just kind of constantly changes and shifts from what the, uh, you know what like the focus is and it's just a shame that she really only got to make two movies so i think she ended up dying in like 1988 or mm. something like that mm. breast cancer because i mean this is essentially her first film because the film before that was like 50 minutes long so it's one of those like not quite features yeah you know like three short films 
success. But uh, I mean, for in terms of a, a a debut, I mean, it's pretty phenomenal for this to be a debut. Nice, and that's losing ground. I saw a debut, and that's blood on her name. This is directed by Matthew Pope, and this is a it's a neo noir about a woman who the movie opens with her standing over a dead body. She clearly has killed this man, but we don't know anything really about who he was, what happened. It seemed like there was obviously some kind of altercation because her face is all messed up, but we're not sure what happens. We see her getting rid of the body, but then she ends up feeling remorseful that she did this. So she finds the guy's wallet, gets his address and then puts him in his shed and writes a note to his family saying, I'm, I'm sorry, he's in the shed. And puts that in the mailbox. And then she realizes that she lost her necklace. And she thinks that she left it around the body. And it's just one thing after another of like just terrible things. Terrible decisions. Terrible uh, <laughs> circumstances. Everything goes wrong in this movie. There's not a single thing that goes right in this movie. It's just one shit thing after another. And this, this screened it, I think it was like Fantasia Fest or it was a festival last year and I had the opportunity to see it. And I thought to myself, eh, it looks, looks okay, but it looks a little, I don't want to say low budget, but it looks a little like kind of amateur-y just from like the screenshots that I saw, but I, I'm glad to say that I was very wrong. It, this is uh, actually a really well shot movie. It, there's some really good performances uh, specifically by uh, Bethany Ann Lind and uh, Will Patton. And it's a really solid little thriller. I it, It's frustrating t- to be sure because of the horrible decisions that they're just constantly making. But uh, it's still, still pretty good. I have a review for this up on the site as well. Okay. All right. Uh, I got one last one here and that is, I finally got to watch shoot the moon right between the eyes. What? Which, yeah, this is currently on no budge. You can watch it for free. Just head on over there. Click play. You don't have to pay anything. This is, it's based kind of like loosely based on, um, two, uh, two gallons by James Joyce. And the songs of John Prime. So it's, it's a, it's a musical, which is interesting. Cause the way that they do the music is, is pretty interesting. This is directed by Graham L. Carter. And it's more so if it's just like little performances. Like, the, you know, the person will just start singing and it kind of turns into this like little performance. And it worked for me because it, it's not like your standard musical. And so what it is is, Two, two older gentlemen, played by David Kendrick and Sonny Carl Davis. And these guys are, they're kind of the petty criminals, the con artists. So they go around town to town, they do, and they kind of swindle women out of their money. So they, they find someone, lock in on them, and then swindle them out of their money, and then move on to the next town, right? So Morgana Shaw is their newest target, and David Kendrick is working working it to try and get the money, but he ends up kind of falling in love with her. Sonny Carl Davis kind of gets pissed off and he's getting double crossed. And then Frank, Frank Mosley is his wife was swindled and he's kind of playing this role as like a private investigator trying to like track him down. So it's got a little bit of everything. It's, you know, it's got the musical thing that I already said, it's got the comedy really lo-fi and it's just, it's really interesting. It just, you know, as I was watching it, I'm like, I don't know what I can say this is like, you know, comparatively speaking. Mm. I can't really think of too many movies where I'm like, oh, it's like such and such. Yeah. It just, it, it, you know what I mean? It felt very new and fresh just in terms of like, like budget wise. Cause you can tell that, you know, it's really, really low budget, but man, they make the most of it. I love that. And this is available on nobudge.com for free. So if you have any interest in checking out Shoot the Moon Right Between the Eyes, you can check it out on there. Uh, this this was one I think it was like right on your most anticipated list at least one at least one year, maybe multiple years. Maybe if, if I 
well might have been. The the last one I'll mention was a disappointment. That's Vivarium. Oh no. Yeah, this is directed by Lorcan Finnegan. This movie has a really great idea behind it. So you have this this young couple played by uh, Imogene Poots and Jesse Eisenberg, and they're heading to they're they're ready to take the next step. They're looking to buy a house, and they uh, end up meeting with this guy who wants to show them a house in this new development, this like big suburban development. And they go there and everything is like uh, very like manufactured and manicured. All the houses look the same. The neighborhood is enormous and everything is just so cookie cutter and very, very like Stepford esque, you know, it's, it fe- mm-hmm. just, everything just feels off. Everything is way too impersonal and like all of the like furniture and everything is like, cause the houses are like fully furnished, but they're all kind of, everything's green and it all just looks so fake and plastic. And they're like, the guy's showing them around and then the guy just disappears and they're like, okay, well, all right, let's just leave. This place sucks anyway, but they can't get out. So the, so the initial premise is that they're basically stuck. They're trapped in this like suburban hell. And they have no way to get out. Like they try, like they drive around as if their car runs out of gas. They try just like walking in a straight line, cutting through yards and stuff. And they always end up back at their own, the house that they were looking at. And then all of a sudden a baby shows up in a box on their doorstep. Mm. And so you think like, this is all right. I'm, I'm interested. Let me, let me see what you got going on. But where it goes and how it gets there, it's just uh, not great. It's it's uh, pretty bland, unfortunately. I, I should be working on a review for this closer to the to its release, but initial impressions on uh, Vivarium, yeah, not not great. This comes out March twenty seventh, by the way. Well, it's unfortunate because I was uh, I was intrigued by this. Mm-hmm. I was intrigued, but there was this this part of me was just this little nugget of me in my brain that was like Kevin this is going to be really bland I've noticed that when you have a a movie with one very simple like small premise it's hard to develop a full length feature out of it like I think another good example is um the the in the tall grass the the Netflix movie that was based yeah. on the Stephen King book like that's a great premise. Two people, couple, they just get stuck in a field and they can't get out. Like, but again, the same thing with that one is like when you have this really great like seed of a movie, it's really hard to deliver on it. Like how, how are you going to develop this, this really interesting idea and have it, have the payoff be better or as interesting as how you begin you know what i mean yeah yeah and especially like you can't sustain it yeah the and, longer you go the the more it wears off mm-hmm. it's like okay this is kind of repetitive that one note like we get it you're stuck in a field yeah exactly touch rock just i have to touch rock right off the bat and hey the- here's this rock touching it what's up and there's a lot of like weird stuff that happens in Vivarium, but it just uh, just never really coalesces into something that's that's can live up to the way it begins. Frankly, gotcha. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. We got Bloodshot coming out. This is the one with Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. Yep. I uh, am assuming you have zero interest in this one. Zero. There was like that one little two second thing where it showed Vin Diesel getting his face blown off and then reversing. And mm-hmm. when I first saw that, I was like, oh, okay. All right. I'm not super familiar with the Bloodshot character. It's uh, based on a Valiant Comics character, I believe. And I was never really into Valiant Comics growing up, but I was kind of interested in it. But then the trailer, like the full length trailer came out and I was like, nah. And then I saw it was rated PG 13 and I'm like, mm, definitely not. <laughs> I'm not into, not into what uh, bloodshots trying to sell me here. We also have the hunt coming out. Finally, this is the one that got, mm-hmm. this is the one that got delayed for an indefinite amount of time because it was supposed to come out right when there was a mass shooting. 
I can't remember which one at this point. There's been so many since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not even sure which mass shooting it was. That's that's the country we live in. Yeah. I, either way, I'm actually pretty interested in the hunt. It looks somewhat similar to the movie that we're that we talked about today. Yeah. I doubt it's good. Well, yeah, definitely. We also have I still believe. What is I still believe? Still, still believe him. Please be a Christian. One love can change your life. One life can change the world. From the creators, if yeah. if I can, from the creators of I can only imagine comes an inspiring love story for the ages. Yes, Christian music star. Yep. Jeremy Camp. Keywords on this one: Christian contemporary music. What is that? So there you go. <laughs> Plot keywords just based on a true story. That's it. That's all they got. Wow. I I saw there was that I can only imagine movie was on TV one day. And mm-hmm. I, I hovered over it for like, or I, I stayed on the channel for like five minutes just to see, just morbid, mm-hmm. morbid curiosity. And it happened to be right at the end when he actually sings the song. And it was so, oh my God, it was so bad. <laughs> oh, it was just as bad as you would imagine. Maybe worse, maybe even worse. Wow. We also have My Spy coming out. This is the one with uh, Dave Batista. A family comedy. Well, actually, yeah, they always got to get the, you know, the muscular guy mm-hmm. in a comedy with a little kid. Yeah. Give him the long side, precocious little kid. Yeah. Just raking those laughs. Gotta, gotta have those. The trailer did make me laugh. There was like one, there was like one bit in the trailer when she knocks over the, the goldfish ball. That made me laugh. Uh, limited release this week. We have Big Time Adolescence. This is the comedy with Pete Davidson. Mm. We have Cruel Peter. Got the dog doc coming out. And you'd think, like initially, you're like, oh, it's a it's a documentary about dogs. And it is a documentary, but it's about a dog doctor. Wait, hold hmm? Yeah. What? The dog doc. Wait. Not documentary. Doctor. Yeah, so, but is it a dog that's a doctor? No, it's a doctor. Oh. It's a doctor who so a vet. helps You're talking dogs. About a vet. Yes, a vet. Mm-hmm. They can just call it vet. The dog vet. <laughs> just, come on! <laughs> I was always saying I thought it was going to be a dog that's a doctor. No, I which would've been awesome. I think I think he. Uh, it's it's about a vet who practices holistic medicine for dogs. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Uh, Let's see what else we have here. Human nature. We got the informer coming out inside the rain. Lost girls. Mom, which stands for mothers of monsters. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it for. for, What about never, rarely, sometimes, always? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I missed that one. Probably going to be the best movie out of all of these things right here. Yeah, Focus is putting out Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, which the movie looks great. I'm that that title, like I get the title and I mm-hmm. I kind of appreciate the title, but at the same time, it's like it's a mouthful. Well, and did you see that there's another movie too that came out just around the same time that's kind of the same? No. I can't remember what it is though, but it's kind of it's like like sometimes never always or something like that oh god it just seems like it's just rude it's rude yeah do that yeah it kind of sucks um yeah that that one's coming out that's definitely one that um i'm interested in tuscaloosa also comes out too i missed that one as well on vod this week let's see on the 10th we have stuffed which is a documentary about taxidermy Mm. so That could be interesting. Maybe. Could be. We have Transference, which sounds like maybe a sci-fi horror movie. Not too sure. Mm-hmm. We got Shepherd, which is a horror movie. We got The Alpha Test, which is a horror movie. We got Tuscaloosa coming out on the 13th. And that's all I have for VOD. However, I will say that uh, I haven't been updating the calendar because I've been as I said, I've been gone for the last couple of weeks, so there might have been some movies that got announced that I didn't get to add to the calendar yet. I'm still playing catch up for that. On Blu-ray this week, we got Uncut Gems, 
I'd recommend checking that out if you haven't yet. We got Beauty and the Beast coming out on 4K. That's the animated Disney one. Looks like the live action one is also coming out on 4K as well. Bombshell is coming out. I'd probably not recommend that one. Good performances, but overall I was not into that. The new Charlie's Angels one from last year, the Elizabeth Banks directed one, is coming out on Blu-ray. Looks like A Quiet Place is getting a new 4K steel book from Mondo. Yeah. Watch out. In preparation for the new one, I'm sure. Spies in Disguise comes out. That was the animated one with Will Smith. Inseminoid from 1981. Never heard of this, but now I'm intrigued. Shout Factory is putting that one out. A group of scientists are working in a lab located on a distant planet. One of them, Sandy, is attacked, raped, and impregnated by a monstrous creature. She then begins to stalk her colleagues one by one, killing them and drinking their blood. Okay. All right. I'll I'll check out Inseminoid. Bug from 1975 is coming out. That's also going to be on Shout Factory. Uh, Let's see. Lose from... uh, it says 2018, but didn't that come out last year? Pretty sure that came out last year. Lose. We covered it on the show. The Witch Subversion is coming out. Masked and Anonymous from 2003 is coming out on Shout Factory. Inherit the Viper from last year is coming out. Little Joe, which I was a little disappointed with, is coming out. The Ascent, which is a horror movie. The cover, I'm sure the movie's bad, but the cover is... Very creepy looking. It's like a person's face, but it's like mm-hmm. there's like holes in it and it's like an upside down cross. There's like fingers coming out of the holes and his face holes. <laughs> I, I think people that have tryptophobia will definitely be triggered by this cover. Mm-hmm. Kind of gives me the heebie jeebies. Yeah, Shepard's coming out on Blu ray. And that's pretty much it. What do we have on Criterion this week? Uh, we have one that's a documentary. Salesman from 1969, mm-hmm. getting uh, getting a re-release. They've had this on the on the collection for a while. High definition digital transfer. Uh, there's a couple of Blu-ray only. Uh, one is a appreciation from Bill Hader, and then an episode from a documentary now that parried the the Salesman movie with Hader and Fred Armisen. Yeah, I think theirs was called the Globesman, where they were traveling around selling globes. I think I think mm-hmm. that was the <laughs> plot of that. Yeah, so you are good. correct. I never I never saw Salesman. Uh, I did see Globesman, so <laughs> I, I do want to see this. Fun. Yeah, I definitely want to see this. All right, I think that that is gonna do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. You can send us an email at podcast at filmpulse.net. And if you have a minute, please consider reviewing us on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Ray Extra, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.